Good morning. Good morning. We were so excited to welcome you to Impact City. Whether this be your first time or whether you call Impact City your home, we are excited that you made time and we are so privileged that you made time to worship with us. And I'm excited to close up our series this morning and I'm going to invite you to take your seats for just a few moments as we dive right in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be grateful for his presence this morning. Amen. So today I want to talk to you about grounded in community. Grounded in community. Our scripture is found in Mark chapter 2. We're going to read a few verses. It'll be on the screen, so I invite you to follow along. A few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had gathered or that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow think like that or talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this, is, that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up. He got up. Jesus spoke it, and it happened. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Amen. It was heard that Jesus was in the house. It didn't matter whose house it was. It didn't matter who else was in the house. What mattered was that Jesus was in the house. What matters today is that Jesus is in this place. He's here, y'all. He's here. And if he is in the house, something is going to happen. They did not come to see the homeowner. They didn't come because the house was so decorated in such a nice way. No, they came because Jesus was there. And because Jesus was there, everything about the picture changed. Can I tell you that if God enters the situation, there can be change. You may be facing something that seems hopeless. You may seem like your back is against the wall and you're stuck in between a rock and a hard place. 
But can I tell you that if Jesus comes in, there can be change. He does not know any difficulty. So if you don't want change, I would advise you leave Jesus alone. Because if he enters, you will see a transformation. Jesus entered this house with a purpose and with the focus and with the objective to teach. And the people gathered. So you can imagine what this house looked like as Jesus was just speaking. He wasn't just speaking the word, but he was the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And John 1.14 says, And that word was made flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten Son, full of grace and truth. So you can name any preacher that you love to hear, and they can't compare to Jesus. Jesus is in the house, and there is not room for anyone because there are so many people that they are just up in this place because of who's there. Jesus is what attracts such an incredible crowd that if he went into the desert, that people would leave and and go into the desert and and risk fainting for lack of, of food or water just not to miss his word. No microphone, no pulpit, no radio ministry, no television ministry, and he could walk into a cemetery and speak the word until the dead came up out of that place. Jesus is preaching in this house, and while he is preaching, there is a need that arises. There's a man that is paralyzed. And the Bible does not mention much about this, name, about this man. We don't know his name. We don't know anything about him except that he has a need. And what we can see here is that his condition had possessed him for so long or he was, he was in that condition for so much time that, that his name was no longer relevant to, to, the, to the writer. No, his name was not relevant to the people. He was just known as the paralyzed man. He was known by his condition because it's one thing for a condition, for us to have a condition, but it's another thing for the condition to have us. He was simply mentioned as a, as a paralytic, and, and, and that is what he was known for. It's like when the condition has so much power over a person that they're only known by that. And the Bible says that, that four men, four men agreed to help this man. Four men surrounded this man and said, you have a need. Jesus is in that house. If we can just get you from from here to there, in his presence, your life can change. In In his presence, the challenge that you face today will be no more. In his presence, the situation that you have in front of you can be resolved. In his presence, these four men agreed to help him. Now I have to say this. It was incredible just to see the paralytic agree to be helped. Because he had been like that for years. Facing the same thing day in and day out. Have you ever talked about being better to a friend, somebody that you confide in, somebody that you trust, and you're just talking about personal aspirations and goals that you have for yourself, and and they smile at you and say, that's great for you, but not for me. I remember I be, when I became an assistant principal, um, 
one of the books that I had in my office was Good to Great by Jim Collins, who talks about the business world in, in, in just taking that step and being great. And one of the secretaries walked in and said, sir, that's so nice, but it's too late for me. <laughs> There's some people that are just happy where they're at. They just get used to a certain way. That there may be something better, but I don't know anything else. So I, I might as well stay where I'm at because I'm going to stick to what I know. And even though it's less than what God has for me, I'm okay right here because it's familiar. I hope you're with me this morning. I hope that it's familiar. We stick to what we know. This man, just the simple fact that he said, I'll take your help was a huge win in and of itself. Four men work with one focus, and they work with one purpose and with one mission to be able to, to take their friend. It, this is not even for them. I love the, the picture of what we see in this story. It's not even about them. It's about, hey, I, I, I care about you so much that I want to take you to Jesus because Jesus can change your life. I'm not worried about myself. I'm not going to be selfish and just focus on what I need. No, it's about you. Can I tell you that we need people who can lift us up? We need people who can lift us up. Look what Mark 2 and 3 says one more time. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. You can't get two people to agree on what restaurant you're going to eat at. After church. But here you have four men that say, you know what? We're going to come into agreement. I'm going to lift one side. You'll lift the other. You're gonna, but we're going to help our friend. We need to surround ourselves by people. Because can I tell you that we all struggle? And that we all have bad days. And that we all need attitude adjustments sometimes. And that we all need to keep ourselves in check. And that we need people around us that can lift us up when we're down. We need people who can build us up and say, you know what, you, I'm going to help you do, what, do for you what you can't do for yourself. I'm going to help you. I'm going to stand in the gap and I'm going to pray for you. I, I'm going to speak scripture over your life and I'm going to declare God's blessing and God's, God's word over your life. I need people like that and we need people like that. These men came. I need somebody who, who can pick me up when I'm down. Because not every day is a good day. Let's just be honest. Not every day. Some days are just rough. And I need someone to build me up. You need some encouragement in your life. And, and that is the focus here today that you need encouragement. That there is so much going on in life, in parenting, in grandparenting, in whatever you are doing in life. There is so much pressure on us as human individuals that we need a support system. Your problem will discourage you. Situations at home will discourage you. Situations at work will discourage you. Your health will discourage you. Some of us in this place today, I'm not going to mention any names, are avoiding our annual checkup just because we don't want to know what the blood work's going to show. Situations at home, our health, the scale will discourage you. I don't need people adding to that. 
I don't need people to add into that. I need to be surrounded by people who will speak life into me. I need to be surrounded by people who will speak blessing to me. I need people who will lift me up when I'm having trouble holding myself up. People that can say, I know it's hard right now. I know it's difficult right now, but we're going to walk through this thing together. It's just a moment. It's just a season. This too shall pass. The God that we serve is able to get us out of this. But I want you to know that even, that while we walk through it, I'm going to be right here by your side. I'm not going to let you go. I'm going to keep praying with you. I'm going to keep believing with you. I'm going to keep trusting God that he's going to come through the way he knows how to do. I'm going to stand by your side. And these men carried him to the house where Jesus was at. And when you get there, when they get there, yet there's another obstacle. Isn't it something that as, as you're able to get one win, as you're able to make progress towards your goal, that all of a sudden something else stands in your way? It's just life. It happens. There was another obstacle. The more difficult it gets. There's no room in this house for you to be able to get there. And these men could have easily said, you know what, we'll try another time. Or we'll put him on the waiting list or whatever that looked like. But these men are determined that the Bible says that they went up onto the roof. They said, it's all right. If I can't get in through the door, if I can't get in through the windows, I'm going to get up on the roof. And, and, and maybe we can cut a hole through there and, and, and bring down our friend. Because if he can just get to where Jesus is at... Now, now, I have to tell you, this is a bold move on their part because not only are they about to destroy somebody else's roof. Not only are they about to destroy somebody else's home, they're about to interrupt Jesus because he's speaking. They're about to barge into a meeting of, of some important people because Luke chapter 5 tells us that some of the Pharisees, some of the who were known as the teachers of the law, they had come from every village of Galilee, of Judea, of Jerusalem. They're just sitting there. These are some important people. Some may have traveled for, for distance from some, from some distance, uh, maybe even a couple of days uh, uh, journey to be able to get to this place. Uh, they've come because they want to know what this new teacher has to say. So here Jesus is speaking. There, this is a serious meeting with some serious people, but, the, but these friends say, you know what? It doesn't matter. Sometimes I just have to interrupt Jesus. Sometimes I just have to get to, to where Jesus is at. These, the paralytic's friends don't care. They, they, they don't care what the roof is going to look like. They don't care if they upset the meeting. They don't care who's in that house. What matters is that Jesus is in the house. What they care about is two things. They have a friend who's sick, and the one who can heal him is there. Nothing else matters. And while somebody else might have given up, it takes somebody to be relentless, and it takes somebody to be in your corner. It takes somebody to say, I I'm going to stick with you through this. It takes someone to, to say there is a way out, to say there is a way. It, it's, not, it's not the end of your, of your life. This is not the way your story ends. The Bible tells us of a, of a Canaanite woman who came to Jesus and said, my, my daughter needs a miracle. Jesus did not answer her the first time. He didn't answer her the second time, but it takes the relentlessness of a person that says, I'm just going to keep on knocking till somebody opens the door. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep trusting. I'm not going away. I'm going to storm heaven 
These men said, if I can't get in the door, we're going to find a way to get there. Now, scholars tell us that the homes of this day, because your mind and my mind goes to the roofs that we see right now. But roofs of these days had a, a unique flat roof that was made of wooden beams that rested on the walls of that building. And they were about three to four feet apart. They were covered with thick branches, brush, reeds, mud, grass, and clay, about four to six inches thick. And the whole roof then was then topped with clay tiles to be able to channel away the rain. So this is, while, the, while it was not uh, an impossible, while it was not impossible, it was not easy. And those inside the house must have heard the racket. Can you imagine if you're a visual learner or like me, you, you can just imagine what this looks like, uh, that, that they all of a sudden hear something. And then all of a sudden, the debris from the roof begins to fall on the house. And you can see the clamor in their feet as they struggle to find out what is taking place. And there on the floor in front of Jesus has opened up a space large enough for a sick man on a pallet. And the room is absolutely quiet now. I can imagine the crowd is silent, waiting to see what will happen next. What is so important that you're going to interrupt Jesus? You can see the particles of dust hanging in the air. The room is filled with haze. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is there standing watching quietly until this paralyzed man is in front of him. And I can imagine this paralyzed man looking up anxiously to see what is going to take place next. And, he, and the Bible tells us that Jesus saw their faith. Jesus saw their faith. Can I tell you he sees your faith? He sees your faith. And Jesus tells him, the man, your sins are forgiven. But, but we're not here for forgiveness of sins. We're here because the man can't walk. But notice what Jesus does. He says, your sins are forgiven. And when he says that, those that are there to criticize this new teacher that has this new message, they all of a sudden begin to say, he shouldn't be healing on the Sabbath day. But Jesus didn't stop there. He said, for everything. That you've had to go through. I'm paraphrasing y'all. I'm going to give you double for your trouble. I am not only going to forgive your sins. But I'm going to make your body well also. For someone in this day. As we finished this season of prayer and fasting. I'm believing that God is going to give you double for your trouble. A double portion that everything that you have been through has been a setup that God is getting ready to show up in your life. I speak it over your life. But I want to tell you that all of this that happens in Mark chapter 2 is possible because four people got into agreement and said we're going to help somebody. We're going to be there for somebody. You can't do it on your own. We're not leaving your side. We ride together. We die together. That's not the Bible. That's bad boys. I know. So I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this. Don't walk alone. I want to tell you this. Don't walk alone. I've said it countless times. In the book of Genesis, the first problem in the Bible was not sin. It was solitude. It was loneliness. 
where God said it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. Don't walk alone. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 8 says, There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end. So notice there's nobody in his life. There's no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. Yeah, he had money. Yeah, he had possessions. But he was not content with his wealth. And he asked himself the question in a rhetorical form, for whom am I toiling, he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. God help us. Because it's possible to have a crowd around you, as we do today, but still feel alone. To have company, but still be lonely. And I want to tell you today that God never intended you to walk in this life alone. This man who had no one found himself working around the clock. And at the end of the day, it didn't bring him the contentment that he was looking for. He was trying to fill it with the things of this world. And that could be us today. Trying to fill the void which God intended for us To have filled by community, by relationships, by the power of friends with other things. And we haven't been able to find contentment because we're constantly looking for the next big thing because that might do it. And then the next thing comes around and you find yourself in the same position. You find yourself just blue. Still unhappy. Still in the same situation, but we know that two are better than one. We know that two are better than one. We know that the Bible says that one could chase a thousand. So while you can do a lot on your own, the Bible says that two could chase 10,000. That's not just addition. And that's not just multiplication. One could chase a thousand, but two could chase 10,000 to flight. And that's the power that we have in being together. And I want to tell you that we need relationships to experience all that God has for us. And I want to tell you here at Impact City, it is our vision for every single one of you to experience all that God has for you. To get plugged in to small groups is how we do it. Not for any other reason. It's not to fill up your calendar. It's not to to take you away from all the responsibilities and obligations that you have going on. We know it's busy. We know it's busy, but because it's important that we be joined with other believers, that we be in an environment that we can look out for each other, that, that, that we can be in an environment that we care for each other and that we take care of each other and that we know that somebody is always praying for me and caring for me and watching out for me. I want to tell you that I feel pretty responsible standing here today as your pastor to tell you to, to, to make sure that you're cared for. To make sure that you have a support system. That you would be able to reach your full potential in God through the power of relationships that he designed us to live out. I know it's busy. I know it's busy. But I want to tell you that it's important. 
that we need this. We need each other. We need each other. Let's look at what Paul says in Romans 12. He says, so it is with Christ's body that we are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. We all belong to each other. So I want to share four things. I got 15 minutes. I'll be done before then, I promise you. Four things that I want to share that we can get out, that we can pull from the power of relationships. The first thing is this. I need people who really know me. I need people who really know me. Because there's a part of every person that we don't see. Because you come here and you see part of me, but you don't see all of me. You come here and I see part of you, but I don't see all of you. We can all know something about everyone, but we don't know everything about everyone. But watch what 1 Corinthians 2 and 11 says. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. There is a part of everyone here that cannot be seen. And I want to tell you that we don't want you to just be a face in the crowd here. But getting you plugged in and getting you connected is our hope. And the best way to do that is through relationships. And we want you to be cared for thoroughly, not superficially, thoroughly. And we're able to accomplish this through small groups. We're not a church with small groups. We're a church of small groups. Because when you get plugged in, you get, you get some real authentic life change that takes place in the power of relationships where people know your name and they're praying for you constantly. And you're praying for them constantly by name. Because when you face things and that when you go through stuff that we all need someone there to know us, to know us truly, to know what we're facing. So I want to tell you, get plugged in. Second thing, I need people who will protect me. I'm drawing to a close. I need people who will protect me. Am I the only one? I need people who will protect me. Because everyone of us has a side that no one knows. And we need someone to know what's behind the mask. Someone to walk through those areas with us because this allows us to be able to build the confidence to, that we know that we have somebody in our corner. Second Corinthians 4 and 2 says this, that we refuse to wear masks and play games. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open, we need someone who knows what's behind the mask. James 5.16 says this, therefore, segueing into this, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. What does that mean? I'll tell you right now. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. God is the only one that forgives sins. There is no one on this earth that can forgive sins, only God, but you find accountability in God's people. That we would not end up in the same temptation. Because the Bible tells us that no weapon that is formed against me will prosper. Notice the usage of words. It says formed. Because every single one of us in this place, we have different temptations. And your downfall may not be my downfall. And my downfall may not be your downfall, but every single one of us has it. But if, if I can get to a place 
that I can just say, you know what, I'm going through something. Can you pray, pray for me? I'm, I'm, I'm going through uncertainty, and I struggle with anxiety. Can you, can you pray with me? Can you pray with me? And that, that somebody would come alongside you and say, I'm going to pray with you. Specifically for that, there's power in agreement. There's power in agreement. We need people to call in and check on us. Are you okay? That can ask the tough questions. Are you, have you faced something difficult? What can I pray with you about? We need that. We need that. Get plugged in. The third thing, I need people who will be honest with me. I need people who will be honest with me. We all have a part that we don't see of ourselves, but everybody else sees it. Really? And you ask, I act that way? Yeah, yeah. We all see it. We all see it. It's the chocolate and the teeth. You know who your real friends are, right? When you're walking around with chocolate on your teeth. Find out who your friends are. We need people who will tell us the truth. Because we have blind spots. We all have blind spots. And we need people to say, hey, have you thought about this? Have you considered this? Have you looked at it from this perspective? We need a circle that can tell us what we don't see for ourselves. Get plugged in. Proverbs 27 and 6 says this, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Man, that hurt. But you know what? It allows you to reevaluate your own life, to be able to make the adjustments that you need, to be able to thrive in who God has called you to be. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I don't need everybody to tell me that I'm doing great. I need somebody to tell me what, what I can't see. Get plugged in, you'll have people in your corner. I'm excited that this semester we'll have 15 groups, at least 15 groups. Men's, women's, young adults, couples, married couples, co-ed. There's a group for you. We're going to have, we have balloons out in the lobby. Why? Because it's a big deal that you get signed up, that you just, some meet every other week. But it's important for you to get together and say, you know what? Let's have community. Let's have community. The last thing is this. I need people who will grow me. I need people who will grow me. Y'all, I got 
I got volunteered to coach 10 and 11-year-old boys basketball this year. Y'all pray for me. Man, it's, but I'll tell you, you're like, what does this have to do with anything? I'll tell you what. Um, my, our goal is this. Let's grow each kid. We have 12 boys. Let's grow each kid. They, they're not all going to be Michael Jordans. None of them may be Michael Jordans, but they can grow. They can grow. That's, that's the focus. So I need people who will grow me. I need people who will grow me. You need people who will grow you. That you wouldn't stay stagnant. That you wouldn't just stay at the same level. That, that you would just continue to be challenged within yourself by the power of relationships. He devised Jesus, our Lord. He devised a plan for you to reach your potential through the body of Christ. Through the power of a team. That's why we call our serve team here the dream team. Because we get to live out our dream day in and day out. Each team is a support group in and of itself. All of us need a place where we can tap into and reach our full potential in God. That the more you connect with the body and the more you get involved, the more you will flow in your role. Because just as the body has supporting ligaments for you to grow and, and you begin to stretch and you have growing pains, we go through this together, we discover it together, we need people who will grow us not that we have it all figured out, but that we're going to figure it out together. Because we're going forward in Jesus' name. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Get people in your corner. Get plugged in. Proverbs 18, 24 one who, is un, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We don't just need companions. I don't just need an acquaintance. I need a friend. We need friends who stick closer than a brother. Get connected because it will be huge in your spiritual growth. You will see exponential growth and you will see yourself in a way you've never seen yourself because that's what God intended. So get plugged in. There's a group for you. So I'm telling you that the doors will be locked and no one gets to leave. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I truly, if you know anything about us, we don't force anything about, upon anyone. That's not the way we operate. But I would highly encourage you. I would highly encourage you that you just give it a try. If your life is not better for it, your life will be better for it. I got four minutes. I'm going to tell you a quick story about me. So I'm not from West Texas. I love West Texas. Now, not leaving West Texas, but I, I grew up in the Rio Grande Valley um, and moved here when I met my lovely bride. And 
and, and God has been faithful. But I'll tell you that I went through a period that I didn't have any friends. Maybe one friend. One friend. And I came to Impact City in, in 2019 before I ever have, had the privilege of pastoring this incredible church. And I didn't. I had some walls up. Didn't want to let people in. But I was struggling on the inside because I didn't have anybody. Didn't have anybody just to hug on, just to talk football, just to talk life. We need people. We need people. Met some of the friendliest people that walked through those doors. And I'll tell you that my life is better for it. And I want to tell you, maybe you have some walls up and maybe you say, you know what, I don't, I don't want to give this a try. Just give it a try. I promise you that you will get to see God do a new work in your life today. Father, I thank you today. Thank you for your presence. I thank you for your love. I thank you for the people that you have placed in my life that build me up, that surround me, that cover me in prayer. I thank you that you see each of us, that you know each of us. God, and I thank you for the power of relationships. that has the potential to change our lives. God, I pray that we would tap into everything that you have for us, that you would allow us to just join together, that you would just allow a spirit of unity to dwell in each of our lives. I combat division. I combat negative thoughts. I combat challenges and obstacles that stand in the way of us experiencing all that you have for us. We will. We will live a victorious life in you. We will live a blessed life in you. We will live a prosperous life in you. I thank you, God, for the people of Impact City Church. I thank you that you have allowed us to come to this point, to this crossroads, to this, to be able to make a decision and say, you know what, I say yes to the power of relationships. I'm going to give it a try. I thank you for what you're going to do in this place. I thank you for what you're going to do in the life of every believer. In Jesus' name, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't want to close today's service without giving you an opportunity. Maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you've just come because a relative asked you to come and you've made the commitment because you love him or you love her. But Jesus is here, and he's tugging at your heart. And he's telling you that you don't have to live with the shame, and he's telling you that you don't have to live with the guilt that you live with up until this point. He says, bring me your heavy burden, and I'll give you rest. If that is you today, and you say, you know what? Today's the day I want to give my life to Jesus. Today is the day that I open up my heart, and I let him come in, and I let him be the Lord of my life. 
You're tired of doing things on your own. You're tired. You're frustrated. You're lonely. You need a Savior. His name is Jesus, and He's here. So if that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just as a sign of surrender, you don't have to come up up here to the front. You just raise your hand right where you're at. We want to pray with you right there. I see you. I see you. God is here to meet you right now. Because we believe in community and that no one prays and that no one goes through life alone. We pray with you together as you make this decision and we celebrate with you. So I want to invite everybody at the sound of my voice to say this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross and making a way for me to come to you. I receive this gift and I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I give you all of me and ask you to turn my life around for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we give God praise for everyone that accepted him today? We thank you. The angels rejoice and God's people rejoice. Would you stand with me this morning?